Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. What a power. It's been a powerful day uh, all, all day long. Well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Bobby. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And we've been in this teaching called Action Items. And I don't know about you, but uh, oftentimes the messages that I resonate the most with are the ones that I'm actually preaching to myself. And so today you're actually getting to sit in on me talking to myself. Because here's what I found. Today we're talking about this idea of drifting. And here's the big idea today. We rarely drift towards a desirable destination. Are y'all tracking with me? Have y'all ever drifted anywhere? How many of y'all go out on Lake Lanier during the summers? How many of y'all go out on Lake Lanier during the summers? We love uh, living by Lake Lanier. We absolutely love Lake Lanier. But can I just tell you, on holiday weekends, it feels like an ocean. And you can literally drift or you can actually get waterlogged. Like your boat could sing because of all, everybody from Atlanta comes up to the south end of the lake. And it can be crazy. In fact, here's what happens. If you're not tied up to something, if you're not anchored to something, you're literally, you're literally going to drift. And in fact, some of y'all remember a couple years ago, Pastor Chuck and I recorded a 4th of July online only message. And we did it from a boat. And the problem is we weren't anchored to anything. We weren't tied up to anything. We were over by Browns Bridge. And all these big cruisers kept going by. And so throughout the sermon, the boat started just doing 360s. Some of y'all remember that because some of y'all emailed me and said, never do that again. And so we're going to do that again this summer. But, uh, but you rarely, if ever, drift towards a destination you want to uh, arrive at, right? Most of the time when you drift, especially like on the lake, you're going to end up hitting something that you never saw coming, that you didn't want to be part of. We rarely drift to the destination we want to go to. And the reason why I think this is so important is because we're in action items. So in week one, we said that when we're born, we look a lot like our parents, but when we die, we look a lot like our decisions. And it's this idea that over time, we've got decisions to make. And then last week, man, was super powerful. If you missed last week's message, Pastor Chuck talked about how do you bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And he talked about this big idea that it's actually spiritual disciplines that, that bridge the gap. Disciplines in and of themselves aren't designed just to be their own thing, but they're actually how God bridges the gap between where we are and where he wants us to be. So if you missed that, go back and catch the replay. Next week, we're talking about Rock Sunday. And so I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But today it's this idea, what do you do with the drift? What do you do with the drift? That if we're not careful, by the time we get to January 7th, January 14th, January 21st, if we're not careful, 80% of our great intentions at the beginning of the year are already gone. I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, I'm all for intentions. I'm all for setting goals. In fact, I'm, I'm doing a workshop on goal setting this week for some friends down at Atlanta. I, I'm all about goal setting. I'm all about asking the question, where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? What, what do I want my life to look like? I'm all about that. But here's what I found, and this is why I'm preaching the message to myself today, is there can be a disconnect between intentions and our actions. In other words, intentions are great. I'm all for goal setting. I'm all for resolutions and all those things. But if we're not careful, we'll disconnect our intentions from our actions. And so what a, what a greater indicator of what we're going to look like at the end of 24 or in, in 10 years from now isn't our intentions, but actually the actions we take. And if we're not careful, we'll end up drifting. We'll drift. Um, one of the foundational beliefs that I have is that life is a gift. And that we're given this life and we're not promised tomorrow. We've got today that life is a gift. And what I really believe is that we're meant to be good stewards of that gift. 
Now, if you're not familiar with that framework of being a good steward, the idea of a steward is sort of like a manager or somebody that it would it'd be almost like if you had some valuable collection or some valuable heirloom and you're like, hey, Jason, would you take care of this for me? Now, Jason doesn't own it, right? It's not Jason's, but if he's going to be a good steward of it, he's going to take care of it. He's going to look out for its best interest. He's going to return it to me, hopefully. Jason's a good guy, so I trust him. He's going to return it, and it's going to be in the same shape uh, I found it. So you can be a good steward, or you can be a careless steward. And, and the idea, the, the sort of the foundation I'm coming from today is that we've got this life, and we're meant to steward it well. So what do you do if you feel like you're off course? What do you do if you feel like, man, I'm, I'm going in a, in a direction that I didn't see coming? What do you do if, if when you look back over 2023, you're like, man, this is not where I thought I would be today? Well, if you have a Bible today, we're actually going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 2. There's a lot of places that talk about this idea. But in Hebrews 2, the writer of the book of Hebrews is he's writing to people that come from a very specific background. He's writing to people that grew up Jewish. He's writing to people that grew up around the temple, around animal sacrifices. He's writing to people that grew up in Israel, and they heard since the beginning of time, essentially one day, the Messiah is going to come. One day, the Messiah is going to show up. And what happened is when Jesus came, he broke all of their their frameworks. A lot of people thought when the Messiah comes, he's going to be like a political ruler. He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to be, he's going to have a lot of um, influence. He's going to be maybe a military leader. But when Jesus showed up, he turned that model upside down. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others. And so for a lot of the Jews, they totally miss Jesus, right? They miss the Messiah. But there's this group of Jewish folks that actually put their faith in Jesus, right? There's this group of Jewish folks that are like, yes, he's the Messiah. He's the one. He's God become man. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He, he rose again. And so we don't need the temple anymore. We don't need the animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus is that sacrifice once and for all. They put their faith in Jesus. But then as time went on, what began to happen is there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of conflict going on around them. There's a lot of naysayers around them. And what happened over time is there's a group of them that were being pulled back in and they were drifting away from their faith in Jesus. They were drifting away from, hey, Jesus is everything. And they felt themselves drifting back. And so in the middle of that moment, this writer writes them, this preacher type begins to lean into them. Look at what it says, Hebrews chapter two, starting in verse one. They're, 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 they're sort of in this in-between moment. They're trying to decide what direction are we going to go. They're trying to decide, uh, have we put our faith in the right one? And here's what this writer says in Hebrews 2, starting in verse 1. He says, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention. This is a warning. This is one of a handful of warnings that the book of Hebrews includes, but he goes on to say this, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, look at this next phrase, so that we do not drift away from it. So literally, he's taking this imagery of being in the water. He's taking this imagery of a ship that's trying to make its way to safe harbor. And he's saying, look, we've got to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. The, the gospel of Jesus, chapter one, is all about that Jesus is greater than the angels and he's greater than Moses and he's greater than everybody else. And he's saying, look, for that reason that Jesus is God, he's who we put our faith in. He says, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift. 
And there's some of us today that maybe this is the word for us. Maybe you feel like you're directionless. And maybe you feel like you're like a ship without a rudder, without direction. And my prayer today is that God would show us some ways to not drift. Let me pray for us today and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the gift of today. Thank you for just how powerfully you've shown up in our worship today. Help us to never forget how holy you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the question. How do you keep from drifting? Like, how do you keep from drifting? How do you make sure that you don't end up in some destination that you never saw coming? Well, there's three anchors I want to encourage you to drop into your life today. And the first one is this. If we're, not, if we're going to keep from drifting, number one, we need to decide on a fixed direction. We need to decide on a fixed direction. Now, some of you are like, well, that, that seems simple. But when you get into your car, if you don't know where you're going and you pull up the GPS, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to punch in the address of where you're going. Right? You've actually got to decide what direction am I going to go. And that's the same, same way when it comes to Lake Lanier. Like I told you, holiday weekends, man, that place is crazy, right? There's just so many people come from all different directions. And if you're not careful, all the lake looks the same. I remember the first time we went out on the lake probably six or seven years ago. We were on uh, a friend's jet ski, and we are like, man, we got it. And you start looking around, and everything looks the same. And if you're not careful, you end up making circles. You've got to pick where I'm going. You got to pick a point. You got to focus on it. Well, as the writer of Hebrews is writing this, he's writing to people that are on the fence. And so when he says in verse one, we must pay much closer attention. What he's saying is you can't go two directions at once. What he's saying is you can't go one way and then you cannot go two directions at once. In other words, you've got to pick a direction. And so for us in the middle of action items to begin to say, am I going to drift through life or am I going to pick a direction, a God-honoring direction? And what I found is that nobody wakes up in the morning and says, today's the day I'm going to drift. Nobody does that. You know how Facebook asks you the question, what's on your mind? I didn't see anybody post this morning and say, well, today would be a great day to drift from my walk with Christ. But here's what happens. It starts out small. In fact, let me throw some symptoms on the screen for you. How would you know that you're drifting? The first symptom is neglect, neglect. Uh, spiritual neglect is when we begin to quit nurturing the things of God in our life. And it's like when we begin to neglect, uh, I'll just use prayer and scripture as an example of that. When we begin to say, man, I'm just so busy, I'm running around, running around, we begin to neglect. And, you know, one day doesn't seem it's that big of a deal. Like one day, if I just accidentally miss reading scripture, not a big deal. Two days, uh, it's not a great idea. But then when you start missing over and over and over again, you don't necessarily see it all at once. But it's almost like if you had a garden at your house and you neglected to water that garden daily, what happens over time is those plants that you've planted over time, they begin to wither, they lose their vitality. And that's what happens to us spiritually when we have spiritual neglect, when we neglect the basics of pouring into our faith. Here's a second symptom of drifting is that neglect often leads to indifference. So if you've missed watering your soul, so to speak, if you've missed feeding yourself over time, at first it doesn't seem like a big deal. It starts with neglect, but over time you become indifferent to the things of God. And so in other words, you, you, you don't have this clear sense of value or conviction anymore. You're like, ah, whatever, uh, not a big deal. And what that indifference does is it leads to disobedience. Now, spiritual disobedience is not why anybody showed up today. They're like, man, I hope the pastor talks about spiritual disobedience today. But what happens, and, and again, I'm preaching to myself, what happens is if we neglect 
the things of God in our life and we become indifferent to the things of God in our life, what ends up happening is we often end up living out disobedience. It's, where, it's those moments where we start making decisions that we know that we shouldn't. It's those moments that we, we push the envelope where we know that we shouldn't. And that's different for all of us. I don't know what that looks like for you, but it starts out small. It starts out neglect. It leads to indifference. Over time, that indifference can lead to disobedience. And there's always going to be a consequence to it. This writer is leaning into them. He's saying, look, what are we going to do? How, 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 how could we ever turn back? He says in verse 3, how will we escape? He's like, man, what, what would happen if we neglect so great a salvation? He's like, man, if you've tasted the light, you've seen the light, you've responded to the light, you said yes to the light, and then you've willingly chosen to turn back to the darkness. He's like, how is there any hope? Does that make sense? So he's leaning in to say, man, we've got to fix the direction. You know, when it comes to a boat, there's ways to do that. One of them is a compass, right? Compasses come in handy when you don't know where you are. When you're on Lake Lanier, basically Lake Lanier goes up and to the right. And so if you don't know where you are, you can look at your compass and be like, man, if I'm heading up northeast, I sort of know where I'm going. If I'm heading southwest, I sort of know. There's something about a compass. You need a compass. We need a compass in our lives. That's one of the reasons why we love having Rock Sunday every single year. Next Sunday is Rock Sunday, and it's an opportunity for us to prayerfully consider, God, what's your compass for my life this year? What is that one word that you want to impress on me? What is that one word that literally, we're gonna have rocks across the front here, and we're gonna invite you to come up, if you're new to this, we're gonna invite you to come up, grab a rock, write on a Sharpie, what that one thing you believe God is putting on your heart. And my prayer is that that would be a compass, that you'd have words like, trust in your life, that you would have words that over the years, you would be able to look back at those rocks and say, this is the direction God has called me to go. And I want to invite you to that. So number one, how do we keep from drifting? What does it look like for us to drift, to keep from drifting? Anchor number one is to decide on a fixed direction. What direction am I going to go? Secondly, the second anchor, not only is decide on the, the fixed direction, but number two, develop foundational disciplines. Develop foundational disciplines. And I love, again, if you missed last week's message, please go back and watch it. It's so, so powerful to talk about the power of disciplines. The gap between where we are and where we want to be is often the discipline in between. And so like for every student that's trying to get a great scholarship, if your goal is, I want to get a scholarship, but that's all your goal is and you don't develop study habits, guess what? You're probably not going to have great grades. If your goal is, hey, I, 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 I want to get a promotion at work and I, I want to work my way up the ladder and I want to get a new position. If that's your goal, but you never identified the key metrics, if you never identified the key actions you need to do, chances are you're not going to get there. And so we need disciplines in our life, disciplines, things that we do over and over and over and over again. And here's the tricky thing about disciplines is nobody's going to hold you accountable to them. Right? Nobody's going to hold you accountable. Right? We have to be self-accountable to them. Right, for instance, uh, no, Pastor Chuck, uh, when you wake up in the morning, Pastor Chuck's not going to be sitting at the foot of your bed saying, good morning. Have you listened to the weekday podcast today? <laughs> It'd be kind of fun if he could do that, but maybe a little weird, but right? No, he, he's not going to hold us accountable. Pastor Jordan's not going to show up in, to every teenager in our church and say, have you had your quiet time today? 
your dentist, except for every six months in my life, is not holding you. Do you ever go to the dentist and they're like, you need to floss more? And you're like, I floss every day. They're like, do you really? Do you really? I see a little bleeding going on there. Is that just me? Oh, you've had that too? Right? Your dentist isn't going to, as nice as my dentist is, he's not going to be standing next to me in the morning. Hey, did you floss your teeth today? Here's the truth. Here's the permission I want to give all of you. You do not have to floss your teeth. You do not have to floss your teeth. Just floss the ones that you want to keep. That's all you have to do. (laughs) We need disciplines in our life. Well, as the writer is writing this, he says, do not, look at this phrase, do not neglect this great salvation. You know what the opposite of neglect is? The opposite of neglect is discipline. Neglect is, ah, I'm just going to go with the flow. And that's where drifting ends up happening. But when he says, do not neglect this great salvation, he's saying, man, we need some foundational disciplines in our life. Because here's the truth. You can pick a direction, but if you don't have discipline in your life, you're still going to drift. Let me give you three big ones that relate to Sugar Hill Church. Here's three disciplines that I would love for you to make sure are foundational in your life. In other words, that they're non-negotiables. The first one is the gospel. The gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. The word gospel is this rescue mission that God is on, that God created everything, and it was amazing, and God created us to have a relationship with them. And so when you read Genesis 1, 2, and the beginning of 3, it's a beautiful picture. It's the picture of us connected to our Heavenly Father, that that's the way it's meant to be. Unfortunately, we're living on the other side of sin, where, where this world and our, our natures and all these things have been distorted. But here's the good news. It's not always going to be that way. There's coming a day that Jesus is going to return. There's coming a day that he's going to make all the wrong things right. There's coming a day where he's going to restore all things. We're living in the in-between. And so the gospel, yes, is that Jesus came to this earth and Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. He's able to forgive us of our sins and give us a brand new start. That's foundational. But here's the tension I've been living in is the gospel is not just security for heaven, but it's also to live the life of Jesus today. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, for them to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on where? Earth as it is in heaven. And so, man, we need to keep the gospel in front of us, that it matters. So foundational principle one is to to keep the gospel in front of us. This is a great salvation. It's a great salvation because it started with God. It ends with God. It costs him everything when he died on the cross. Here's a second discipline is God's word. God uses his word in our lives to shape us. The Bible is not like any other book. It's almost like that the, for spiritual growth to happen in our life, it's like training. It's like an athlete that's, or, or somebody that's learning to play an instrument. The Bible is essentially that training manual for us. It's for spiritual growth. It's not like any other book. Other books, we read them. God's book reads us. Right? A lot of times, we, the reason why we drift is we're like, God, I don't know what your plan is for my life. God, I don't know what you want for me. And God's like, but I've given you my word. I love this graphic that Pastor posted yesterday on social media where it's essentially this picture of the Bible. And it says, can you imagine receiving love letters from someone and never opening them? And that's a powerful reminder. We need God's word in our life. These are, found, these are non-negotiable. So, so the gospel, God's word, and the third foundational Uh, habit in our life is God's church. God's church. God 
brings us into a body, right? God puts us together. We need one another. And what happens a lot of times when people drift is they begin to think, well, I don't really need the church. I mean, I'm there every now and then, or I can watch online only and never connect with other people around me. Or it's not that big. I can serve both hours, not a big deal. And what I've seen happens over time. It's sort of like coals uh, in, in your grill. If you separate those coals, they begin to fade out. But when you put them together, they catch even greater fire. We need one another. That's I mean, that's one of the reasons why we talk so much about small groups, that, that God uses small groups for community and for accountability and for shared learning. We need that. These are disciplines we need in our life. Often the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be are these disciplines. They're disciplines. On Friday, I had lunch with my buddy Bruce down here, and like every good meal, we had Mexican food. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. There's no queso involved, so I need to go back and you know repent of my sins for not ordering queso. But uh, we we uh, we had great Mexican food, and what's what's so interesting about if you haven't met Bruce and Denise, they're amazing. Their girls are unbelievable, and Bruce, of course, married out of his league, and so Denise, God answers prayer for sure. But uh, I was I was sitting there with Bruce, and what's amazing about a story is right around a month ago, Bruce was out for a walk at the park got home from that walk in the park, uh, started feeling something strange, and pretty immediately Denise identified that he was having a stroke. And so she jumped on the phone. Because of her fast reaction to it, the, the ambulance showed up, and they took him to the hospital. And within a few minutes of being at the hospital, they put him on a helicopter to flight him up to a different hospital. And I'm still a little bitter. I've never been in a helicopter, and you got a free ride, I guess. I don't know, insurance may have another thing to say, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but he get, ends up in Gainesville. And for those first 24 hours, the question is, is Bruce ever going to talk again? 50-50% chance. And now one month later, Bruce is doing so remarkably well, he said to one of his doctors, well, it must have been a small stroke. And the doctor had to look him in the eye and say, no, that was not small. And Bruce told me that one of his friends sent him a text and said, Bruce, it is obvious that God is not done with you. Amen. God's not done with you. Bruce could have said, oh, I've had a stroke. I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat potato chips the rest of my life. Or since we both like Mexican food, maybe it'll be nachos or whatever. Yeah. But instead, Bruce said to me on Friday, I think he's up to walking a mile now and doing all that. Bruce is willing to do the hard work of physical therapy because he knows that the life he wants to continue to live and the gift of the life that he has is on the other side of discipline. Are y'all tracking with me? A lot of times we push back on discipline. Well, I don't need those things. But the truth is the thing that you bridge the gap between where you are and where you're going to be is discipline. That's one of the reasons why we think small groups are such a big deal around here. We need other people in our lives. That's why John Linton Smith is starting a, a men's group in a couple weeks, just five weeks long, early morning on Sundays to say, hey, for any guy that's not plugged in right now, hey, let's ask the question, what does God have for us? That's why on Wednesday nights, we have a brand new group, our friend Rita Powell, who moved here from California and said, hey, there's other ladies in our church that have moved here and they're not connected yet. Hey, if that's you, come out on Wednesday nights. If you're new here, this is for you. That's why the That's why so many people 
offer groups to say we're in this together. So anchor number one is we need to decide on the direction. Anchor number two is we need to plug in some foundational disciplines in our life that are going to help us get there. And here's the third anchor. Anchor number three, as we do these things, we demonstrate our faithful devotion. In other words, the longer we stay committed, the more fruit that comes out of our lives. What happens is life change rarely happens overnight. Have you ever heard of somebody referred to as an overnight success? Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, I guarantee you, if you were to interview 99% of the overnight successes in your life, they would tell you it wasn't actually overnight. There was lots of grueling moments when nobody else saw what they're doing. It was those quiet moments when there was no cameras around. It was those little moments when nobody else was giving them attaboys. It was what they did consistently over time. So the writer of Hebrews says this, as he's writing to these people that are on the fence, he says, what are we going to do? How shall we escape? It reminds me of John 6, when Jesus has preached one of his toughest messages in the moment. Jesus offended people in the crowd. And the Bible says in John 6 that thousands begin to walk away. Thousands were not walking with him anymore. So many people walked away that Jesus turned to his disciples, his inside guys, and said, are you going to leave me also? It's a great question. And Peter, who is known for putting his foot in his mouth, got it right. When Jesus says, are you going to leave me also? Peter says to Jesus, but to whom shall we go? In other words, there's nowhere else for us to go. He says to Jesus, you're the son of God. You're the living, you're the living God. To whom shall we go? It reminds me of what the writer of Hebrews says in just a few chapters. In chapter six, he's still in this nautical kind of picture In chapter 6, he's talking about the fact that Jesus, and and that's the theme. He keeps going back to Jesus. Jesus is God. He beat death. He's the Messiah. And so for those Jews, they thought about the temple a lot. And inside the temple, the most holy place was the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And there's this giant curtain that separated the Ark from everybody else. And so if you wanted to be near God, you had to try to make your way to the outer courts and then to the inner courts. And if you were a priest, maybe one time in your life, you'd go into the Holy of Holies. And the writer uses that imagery. And in Hebrews chapter six, he says, Jesus has gone into that place that none of us could go. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that curtain that separated the box from everybody else was ripped into from top to bottom, symbolizing God no longer lives in a box, but he dwells inside of his people. And so Hebrews 6 talks about this fact in verse 19, talking about that Jesus went to the place we could never go, that Jesus paid the price we could never pay, that Jesus goes into that holy, holy, and listen to what the writer says in Hebrews 6 verse 19, this hope The hope that Jesus did what we could never do ourselves. The hope that Jesus went into that holy place paying the the price once and for all. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. I love that. In church history, there's been three major symbols used throughout the years to to represent our faith. The first one obviously is the cross, that, that Jesus literally died on the cross. A second symbol in the early church was the Jesus fish, the ichthus. You know what I'm talking about? It was a way that when when persecution was high, if you wanted to find out if somebody else was a believer, but you couldn't say it out loud for fear of who was listening in, one believer would draw half of the fish, the other believer would finish it. It was like a way of saying, hey, we're part of the same deal. 
But the third symbol has been the anchor. It's been the anchor. We'd love to take so many of you, when it's possible, to Israel. One of the places that we'd go to is what's called the garden tomb. Take a look at this picture. This is where most people believe Jesus literally uh, came back to life from the dead. And if you were to go into that garden tomb with us, what you'd find in the next picture is you'd see this burial spot inside the tomb. But if you'll notice on the top right there, there's a picture. There's something in red. If you zoom in on the next one, most of the time you just focus on it. You're like, it's a cross. Well, of course, it's a cross. But it's actually a symbol that if you'll notice that it's a cross, but it's known as the mariner's cross because... While it has the cross up top, there's a sense of the anchor below. It's a reminder. All of us are prone to wander. All of us are prone to drift. Having Jesus in our life doesn't make life easy. In fact, in many ways, it makes it tougher. But here's the truth, that that same Jesus that beat death and the same Jesus that tore that veil from top to bottom is the same Jesus that is the anchor for our soul. And what's interesting about the anchor is the anchor, when you throw the anchor into the water, you you don't see the anchor anymore. It sinks beneath the surface. And what's interesting is when you drop an anchor, it's not like the weight of the anchor just holds you right there. In fact, what ends up happening is after you drop the anchor, your boat continues to drift. Your boat continues to go with the current because here's what happens is it takes distance between the anchor and you for that anchor to lock into something. I mean, the nerdy way to think about it is five feet for every foot of depth you have. And so if you're at 20 feet, you need about 100 feet of rope or 100 feet of chain. And so it takes a while. And at first you're like, does it hold? At first it feels like, is it going to take root? At first it's like, I don't know. But what ends up happening over time is, yes, there may be currents around you. And yes, there may be turmoil around you. And yes, maybe all the Atlanta crazies came up and rented boats for the weekend and they're, they're going nuts. But at some point, that anchor always holds. The anchor always holds. Jesus died once. He rose again. He's the anchor. He's the anchor. He's the anchor of our faith. What ends up happening is we have to answer this question. Am I locked to this anchor? What happens over time as we stay locked to this anchor is there's fruit that comes out of our life. We get a new confidence. It's not me, it's Christ. We get this confirmation. We see the work of God in our life. One of the proofs that we're not drifting is we stay true, right? We stay committed. And one of the things that happens is we have this sense, even in the middle of crazy times, the anchor still holds. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be part of the fellowship of the anchor anchor of the cross, the anchor of Jesus. And so today, if you feel like you're on a track this year, man, I hope this will be an encouragement. If you feel like, if you're like me and you already feel like you've drifted in some places, my hope this will be encouragement. That the same Jesus that beat death is the same Jesus that steps out of heaven and into our hearts. And I'm here to tell you, the anchor, it still holds. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd love to pray for us. In a minute, the team's gonna come out and this is not a moment for us just to click off, but I'd love for us to to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. I do wanna encourage you, we've got a link on the screen that says sugarhill.church slash action items. Every week, 
pastor and I are putting resources on there. And so there's actually a, a PDF of some sample words that people have used over the years for Rock Sunday. So if you're needing a little inspiration, there's a couple book resources on there as well. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person that's like, hey, I wanna do The Rock next week, but I also wanna get, get it someplace else that's visible as well. There's actually a link to where you can get a cell phone case with your word on it as well. Our prayer is that God would take our intentions, meet us where we are and help us to make actual actions and we'll find the anchors to hold. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the powerful way that you've shown up in this place. Thank you for how you've given us patience that even when we drift, that you're still there. God, I pray for every single person that feels like they're drifting, that they would experience your anchor, that you still hold in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Before we head out today, I'd love for us to sing this out. I'd love for you to lean in for a moment. I'd love for you to take this moment to say, God, what this truth is, allow it to drop deep into my head, deep into my heart.